All right, I have some exciting news. The doors to my 10-week live program, Panic to Peace, are now open. In this program, you'll learn how to push past your anxious thoughts, the symptoms, panic, and fears so that you can begin experiencing lots more peace, joy, freedom, adventure, and actually live the life you want to live. And yes, it's absolutely possible, and you are absolutely capable of making it happen. So if you feel like you've been doing everything and anything, but you're still struggling and you feel stuck, or if you feel like you have no idea where to start, or if you feel like recovery just isn't possible for you, I want to show you that you can overcome this. And the journey there doesn't have to be so complicated or so hard. In the course, I'll show you how to heal with simple, straightforward, and practical tips, aka all of the things that helped me to get me to where I am today. And just a heads up, the doors are only open until September 21st. So if you want in, head to the link in the show notes and save yourself a spot inside of Panic to Peace. All right, I hope to see you there. No matter how far into this struggle you're in with the anxiety, with the panic, with the agoraphobia, you need to understand there's not a timeline. You're not, it's not too late to get help. It's not too late to heal. It's not too late to, to really come out on the other side of it and be able to at one point look back and be like, oh my God, like I've made it. Welcome to a Healthy Push podcast. I'm Shannon Jackson, former anxiety sufferer turned adventure mom and anxiety recovery coach. I struggled with anxiety, panic disorder, and agoraphobia for 15 years. And now I help people to push past the stuff that I used to struggle with. Each week, I'll be sharing real and honest conversations along with actionable and practical steps that you can okay. take. Okay, today is a very special episode because I have a very special Welcome. guest You're with me today. So I have my mom with me, my mom, Renita, and as you all know, I've talked about my mom many times before. My mom and I have always been very close, and she was, of course, the closest to me throughout my journey with anxiety, panic, and agoraphobia. So you guys requested she come on. (laughs) I'm very excited to talk to her and really dig into my journey with anxiety, panic, and agoraphobia sort of from her lens. So, Mom, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Great to be here. (laughs) Exciting and emotional at the same time. Yes. uh, For us to talk about this journey that Shannon's been on for many years. And uh, also the best part is the triumph over everything that she had struggled with as a child and as an adult. Yeah, so as you can probably hear, of course, my mom and I were talking before we jumped on the podcast to record. We are both very emotional human beings in general, and this is, of course, a very emotional Mm -hmm. topic. So you will definitely hear (laughs) breaks in our voice. You will probably hear us crying. Mm -hmm. Um, We may pause at times. This, um, a lot of what we'll talk about, of course, is sensitive and was really hard for myself and also, of course, for my mom. So even having been out of it for, what, you know, seven, eight years now, it still evokes a lot of strong Mm -hmm. memories, a lot of strong emotions. So we're just going to start with sort of digging into my mom's recollection of (laughs) sort of when my journey started because like my mom and I were just talking, there are a lot of things that she remembers that I don't remember because I think, you know, my journey with anxiety started when I was really young and she just, you know, (laughs) I sort of blocked a lot of these things out. I think, of course, as, you know, a trauma response, a healthy response to all of it. So she's going to remember a lot more than I did. So it'll be good to hear from her. So yeah, mom, in general, like where did my journey start? Like what is your earliest memory? I remember definitely middle school, if not maybe a little bit earlier than that. And I remember um, you having a struggle with even just eating at school. And sometimes you would come home and you hadn't eaten anything all day at school. And at the time, I mean, I really didn't hone into the fact of maybe this is anxiety 
or I always thought Shannon was an extremely picky eater. And um, so I kind of looked at it in that sense, probably more so. But as the years went by and I was able to look back, I was like, it made sense that, you know, Shannon didn't want to eat at school. She was anxious, I'm sure, and, and uh, didn't know she wasn't going to feel well if she did eat. And uh, so that really, really played into that part. And that's my, I would have to say my earliest recollection would have been middle school. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny now that you say that, of course, I can think back to specific things. And I remember, of course, like um, keeping my lunches in my locker yes. and like just not eating. And yeah. and it was what you just said. You know, I, I often didn't feel well. I was often super anxious. And mm-hmm. so, you know, not eating was sort of a coping mechanism yeah. for me of like, I can sort of control how I feel more if I don't eat, eat. which of course yeah. wasn't the healthiest thing. Yeah. But so... Of course, it, it started early, but I remember, of course, through high school, it being really hard. I remember, like, often begging you to, yeah. <laughs> to let me stay home yes. to make up any excuse to not go to school. Mm-hmm. I mean, I what, what did that look like? Do you, like, what do you remember from my high school journey? Oh, I remember it was really difficult um, to know that you felt that bad, like, you know, to be like, can I stay home? Can I stay home? Like, for any reason. And, of course, you want your child to go to school and succeed and, and knew it was a part of life that that you needed. But at the same time, I just remember you struggling from the moment you got up. Like, you know, you would have just rather stayed at home and separated yourself almost from from the world at some points you know Mm -hmm. and I used to always have to say no you have to go you have to go like you're gonna be okay you're gonna get through it you'll make it through the day and you know and there were times that you know you'd have to call me or stuff and I'd be able to talk to you and you know it was I remember high school was extremely difficult for you and I was so proud of you once you did get through it because that took a lot of hard work. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, so to put things into perspective, right, I think I sort of had a lot of issues with anxiety growing up. And yes. I I would love to give some sort of, you know, insight to that so people can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've never really, like, dove into this, but... I grew up in a house with a parent, not my mom, (laughs) um, who could be really unpredictable. Like his moods could be really unpredictable. Um, His behaviors were unpredictable. I didn't have that emotional, um, you know, I don't know what you would call it, like connection or just, you know, he wasn't in tune with his emotions at all. And it was really hard because, you know, I saw a lot of, you know, him responding in a way that was just very scary as a, as a kid. So I think it made sense why I had a lot of issues with anxiety as a kid. I think that Mm -hmm. stuff really contributed to my journey. And I think also to a big thing, you know, we were talking a little bit about before we jumped on to when high school came around, Mm -hmm. what really like heightened all of this and made my journey with anxiety a lot harder um, was because I got into a really toxic relationship. Yes. And that, I think, when I say <laughs> that I struggled with panic attacks every day um, around mm-hmm. this time, I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. You know, I struggled with panic attacks every day, and they were really bad at this yeah. point. And, you know, my mom, she encourages me to talk about this, <laughs> and it's really hard. Because I don't want, you know, to scare anyone. I don't want anyone to to think that, you know, if this is something that you're currently going through, you know, I want to talk about this because yeah. I want to show you that it can be different and that your life doesn't have to look like this. Um, but back at this time, I, you know, got into a relationship with somebody who was not healthy and who did not treat me well. 
and um, there was a lot of, you know, abuse in the relationship. Yeah. And so I would love to hear, I know you know that this <laughs> is, was a big contributor and was obviously very hard for you, but like what, you know, I don't know, just sort of, can you speak a little bit to what that looked like at that time in my life? Yeah, definitely. And I think even um, before getting into that part, when you were mentioning growing up, you know, in a home where I think that's important to talk about first because that environment that you grew up in was a lot like walking on eggshells every day. And it was, you know, it was going to be a good day or a bad day. And some days it could be a great day. And 10 minutes later, it could be a really bad day in the house. And there was a lot of, you know, yelling at times and slamming doors and separating from the rest of the family. Um, It was very emotional for you and your brother to grow up in that. Um, it was extremely stressful for many, many years, and it was always just the not knowing. Yeah. You know, what? what is this day going to be like, or what is this night going to be like? Um, you know, and I feel for myself, at some point, we'll definitely have more times we'll be able to talk <laughs> <laughs> about different things, but for myself being an 18-year-old who got married and had my son Daniel at 18 and I had Shannon at 20. And I was in this extremely volatile relationship at times. And for, you know, 17 years, I tried to hide everything I could from you and your brother. Yeah. And like we said, it'll be very emotional to talk about, but it's important also for... Anyone out there to understand that if you have to live in this, if you know, if it's your parents, if it's your mom and a boyfriend, if it's your dad and a girlfriend, that relationship does affect you, you know, and there's no way to get around it. There's no way to get around it. And I know it played into a huge part of your anxiety, panic, um, I had it myself, so at some at some point, someday we'll talk about that. So I really do have a true understanding to be able to, yeah. you know, talk about your struggle because I had it myself at one time in my life, so I absolutely positively can say I know how it feels. Yeah. And that was one thing I used to say a lot to you, you know, I know how it feels. And I'm not just saying you're going to get better, you're going to get through it. It's not just words. It was knowing yeah. that it someday, at some point, it was going to break and you would get through it. Um, so the relationship, yes. So wait, let's, let's back up. Because, yeah, I remember you telling me all the time. And I remember just wanting to, like, strangle you. Because yeah. you would always say... Shannon, you're going to get through this. This isn't going to be the rest of your life. You know, your life is going to look so much different. And I remember not believing an ounce of what you were telling (laughs) me. Like, and I think that's a huge part of the journey too, is you have to have some level of acceptance of like, yeah, this is what I'm struggling with right now, but this isn't going to be forever. And, you know, I think a big part that would have been helpful to me back then was just accepting, like, this is what it looks like right now. And it's okay that this is what it looks like right now. And, you know, it can look differently. And being just able to have some blind faith, right? Like, I don't know. I don't feel like it. It doesn't seem like it's real or can happen, but I'm just going to, like, you know, have some blind faith that I'm going to get there. And thank goodness I had, you know, you to be continually cheering me on and and supporting (laughs) me, even though I wanted to kill you many times. But I knew that. (laughs) Yeah. But because even, even like my mom said, you know, she went through it herself. Yeah specifically panic and agoraphobia and you know it was pretty severe with her agoraphobia and I still coming from somebody who had gone through it and had successfully come out the other side of it and has been free of panic and agoraphobia for decades I was like no not to age my mom or tell you guys how old she is (laughs) but 
But, you know, I, yeah, you just don't believe it even when you have proof right in front of you. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's just a good thing for people to hear too. I know you might not feel it. I know you might not believe it. You don't have to, but, you know, it's it's helpful just to say, I'm just going to keep taking the healthy steps. I'm going to keep doing this and I'm going to like believe that yeah this might be possible for me yeah and as a parent like as a mom looking at you and seeing you suffer and struggle was extremely painful for myself because knowing the feeling knowing what it felt like and there'd be any you know I would have done anything in the world to say hey I'll take that burden. I'll take that load. I wish, you know, if I could have, I would have been like, I'll take it so you can have a life without it. But obviously, as we all know, that isn't the case and that can't happen. But at the same time, you just needed that reassurance all the time. And I knew times you'd get so mad at me because I'd be like, (laughs) you're going to get through this. At some point, someday, it will go away. You're going to, you know, I just knew because for myself... And uh, I think a lot of a lot of times reassurance can be frustrating. Yeah. It can be aggravating to the person hearing it. But at the same time, I feel like you need to keep giving it, even though at times, you yeah. know, you weren't receptive yeah. of it many yeah. times, which I understood. <laughs> but at the same time, I knew in my heart, you know, you're going to get through this. And you were a very strong individual. You always have been. Oh, yeah. You but I, I mean, I remember one of the most vivid memories, and I think, mm. and you don't know, you probably obviously know better than I do, but I think one of the really bad panic attacks that I can remember, I remember I had left um, my boyfriend's house at the time, the really toxic relationship yes. that I was in, and I remember getting in my car and driving home, which was only like a 10-minute drive, and about five minutes into the drive, I, like, had a full-blown panic attack, and I'm talking really bad, mm-hmm. and I remember, you know, like everyone, <laughs> I just wanted to be home. I yeah. just wanted to get home. Yeah. And I remember driving, like, at the most insanely dangerous speeds just to get home, oh. and it was nighttime, and I remember getting home and, like, going into the bathroom, and, I mean... TMI, but you know, when you're in that fight or flight, my body just like released everything. I mean, I was puking, I was going to the bathroom and I remember my mom being in the bathroom with me and like holding me Mm -hmm. and I don't know, you probably have better memories, right? Yeah. But I remember like my mom called the ambulance because, you know, it was so bad that I think even if you know, like... I struggled with panic, right? Even though you know yeah. it's probably just panic. Yeah. <laughs> At times it can seem like it's something more. It can seem really dangerous and it can, oh, yeah. it, it can, you know, I mean, I had a lot of stress, a lot of, yes. a lot of buildup of a lot of things and I was in a really unhealthy spot. So, I mean, yeah, I remember saying to you during that panic attack, mm-hmm. like, I can't do this anymore. anymore. And that was one of the hardest yeah. moments. Yeah. I mean, and here I am, like you say, you're on the floor and I'm there holding you and telling you, like, you're going to be okay. You're going to, you know, and I did call the ambulance because um, many times when you suffer severely with this, you can become weak, white, pale, shaky, vomiting, diarrhea, you name it, everything. And I remember that point in time being in the bathroom with you and your eyes were rolling in the back of your head and I was like you know I was afraid at that point too and I was like I just needed to do something and I remember we did get you to the hospital and um to give a true sense of your deep journey with this there were several trips to the hospital and I remember one time and this is during the time that you were in the very toxic relationship. And um, I remember you calling me from work. You worked at the hospital then in the kitchen. And I get a call and, you know, and you're telling me, I'm in the bathroom, I'm on a floor, I'm vomiting, I'm, I can't 
you know, I'm pat I feel like I'm passing out and I'm coming back and and I remember just keeping you on the phone and you know, running to my car and flying there and I remember just telling you keep talking to me, keep talking to me. You know, and wow, you talk about sheer panic and I remember saying like you need to stay with me because I have to know where to find you. Right. You know, this is a big hospital. You're working. I need to find you. And I remember getting there and and picking you up off the floor and putting you in a wheelchair and running you down to the emergency department. In that day that that happened, they put you in the trauma unit. Oh, yeah, I remember. You know. I remember that, yeah. This is extremely emotional to look back and remember them literally cutting some of your clothes off. And I was just crying, saying, she's got to be okay. She's got to be okay. You know, and people need to understand that's how scary anxiety and panic can be. It can be terrifying. Terrifying. And I remember... You know, that day and the other days that we'd end up in the ER and they'd always be asking, is your daughter on drugs? Is your daughter on drugs? And I'd be like, no, like you need to listen to me. You know, I'd be like, my daughter and I are so close. I said, my daughter would tell me anything. I mean, that was just the relationship we had. And, you know, for myself, I mean, that was probably, I would have to say, one of the worst days of my life. You know, was just like this. It was so scary. And then, you know, after coming through that that day and everything and going a little further on, I I didn't fully realize the toxicity of your relationship at that time. Yeah. Um, I had you and... <laughs> And this young man was quite a good actor. And then, but after a while, I started to think, you know, like, something's not right here. You know, he'd come to the house and he was so polite and <laughs> kind and all these things. But as the time went on and I, I just, as a parent, was like, there's a correlation here. There's something wrong here. There's something seriously wrong here. And I didn't know what to do because, you know, at times I tried to hold you back and you were a fighter, <laughs> as most teenagers are. Um, but I think probably we should tell about the worst day of that relationship mm -hmm. because it was after that I feel like um, you literally was able to to start on a journey not right away, but it was a speckle of hope after that day. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think before we jump into that, which, thank you, that, <laughs> that is not where I thought we'd go, but I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, my mom talked about something that is important, I think, to talk about. You know, people really didn't know what I was struggling with. No. And I did a lot of hiding of what yeah. I was struggling with. I tried to, you know, yeah. make it seem like I was fine, right? Like, I, I go to school, I go to work, like, I'm just gonna, you know, make it appear like I've got this all together. Right. And so when all this stuff happened, and like this one instance happened at work, I remember my yeah. boss asking some of my coworkers, like, is she on drugs? Like, you really have to tell us, like, you know, yeah. what could be going on right now? And I, I can understand why people would think that. I had to have been maybe a hundred pounds at that time. Oh, you lost a lot of weight. Yeah, I mean a lot of weight. And all of it was stress. I was yep. under so much stress and you know, mm -hmm. always thinking like, you know, there's gotta be something bigger. There's gotta be something going on. There's gotta be something wrong. And it's like stress can mm -hmm. have such a crazy impact yeah. on your body, on your physical health, your mental health. And yeah, I mean I I, there was so much to it, right? But yeah. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't eating. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was so skinny and just Well, you not... got down to 97 pounds yeah, at I'm... one point, which was really, really tight. You were so thin and... Yeah, and I mean, I was know. so, so unhealthy. Yeah. I, I remember and... So yeah, I think, you know, people, especially, you know, if you 
are hiding it and you know people think it's and and two mm-hmm. of course I thought it there's got to be something else going on like there's got to be something else wrong yep. with me and yeah. I was so close to it that I obviously couldn't see it that mm-hmm. it was like no there's nothing else going on mm-hmm. like you are just incredibly stressed and in a very unhealthy relationship making many unhealthy decisions you know not just the relationship part but yeah so the relationship itself I don't know I think we were together for two years about two years yeah about two years and I met him in high school like my mom said you know he seemed like a very kind person Mm -hmm. um but on the flip side he was very manipulative very calculated um very controlling abusive just all the things and you know our relationship finally kind of came to a head very suddenly one day where we we got into an argument and I just remember that was the first time that he actually had like physically laid his hands on me and I remember thinking probably like most people do um he's not gonna do anything to me he's not actually gonna hurt me um and I remember walking away from that, just thinking that could have gone much differently. Yep. Um, and thankfully, at the time, you know, he lived with his mom. His mom was home and she intervened and, you know, it got to a level that it should have never gotten to. That's true. But I mean, I remember walking away from that thinking, this, this has got to be it. Like, yep. I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe. You know, and I think, like you said, after all that had, you know, there was much more that transpired yes, after, after that. that. Um, but after that, I feel like it was the first time yep. that I could see, like, a little bit of light. Yes. Of being like, okay, yep. like, you know, I don't have to be in this relationship. That's This right. is not what my life has to look like. Um and I can start making a bit healthier decisions for yeah. myself and like moving on. And I think, you know, is something that's really important to be aware of. You know, if you have any of these contributing factors, like, you know, a really toxic relationship or, you know, anything traumatic yeah. happen, that it takes time. And I remember, like, you know, <laughs> I said to my mom before we got on here, I'm like, I can't even remember. It was still like years. Years after that, that I made incremental, like, steps, but it took me quite some time to, you know, recover from that relationship and then also to start recovering from panic and agoraphobia. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes those uh, parts of our life, like I said, growing up in the way that you did with a very unsettled environment and then going through a really horrible relationship I mean a lot of times we don't understand that the extreme stress we're under affects our bodies Hmm. so dramatically that there's times you just can't control it and I think it's because you're at times you're trying to your body's trying to protect itself and you know, you have all this stress and, and, uh, but I did see at that point after that relationship ended that there was a turning point for you, but yes, you did still struggle at times. I mean, I remember even, you know, when you were an adult working, I'd get a phone call (laughs) or, you know, and like Shannon said earlier, she didn't know, like we would talk about maybe all of these very emotional things, but I'm just the type of person. I feel like anyone out there listening needs to understand the ugly too. You know, it's great that we recover, but at the same time, you need to know if you're in that ugly part of life and if you're in that tragic part of life, you need to understand that there's hope. Yeah. And just like there were, you know, for you. Right. There was hope, you know, and and it's like, needing to to let people know that when you're in those moments and you have that panic and that anxiety and you feel like I'm going to die, I'm just, I'm going to die. Like something's wrong with me. You know, the doctors are missing something. I have to have something, you know, and not everyone feels the same way with panic and anxiety, 
But some of us and, and many of you out there, I'm sure, have had that feeling of undying. You know, you get that sheer urge of that panic and you feel like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And, you know, and then you come down from it and, you know, you know and no, I'm still here. And I think eventually at some point it is realizing and learning the part of, you know, that was such a horrible panic attack but I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that was one of the things I said many times to you was, you know, look how horrible that, and it was horrible and it is scary and you might feel like you're dying and it's, it's just this horrible thing. But, you know, maybe an hour later you can be like, you know, okay, well, I'm still here. I made it through it. I'm okay. <laughs> right. But, you know, and then there's always that next time it hits though. And it's just that feeling of, being unsure and being afraid and and when we can't at times control that when you're right in the moment of that panic it's scary yeah because most things in life we try to control everything 100 percent. you know yeah well it's it's so funny because <laughs> i i wrote that down like early on when you were talking because i think for me one of the biggest themes throughout my entire mm-hmm. you know journey with anxiety and panic was control like as a kid Mm -hmm. I tried my best to control my environment because I felt like my environment was so out of control so I tried to control everything in order to make myself feel safe and you know then once I was in that relationship I tried to control as much as I, I could you know I as the, you know, responses that you have at the time are like, I'm just going to keep myself safe. I'm going to stay quiet. I'm going to protect myself. And, you know, it was always, and then I remember, you know, after that, like you said, you know, I would call you at work. You know, I was, I was an adult at that point. And I remember I would do anything to try not to have a panic attack. I mean, I remember, you know, calling you and uh, I feel like I'm gonna have a panic attack and like I just need you to talk to me and you know I just wanted to do anything not to feel out of control exactly and it was so tough because I think that was one of the bigger realizations for me was like Mm -hmm. me trying to always have such a tight control Control. was actually making things worse Worse. yeah and yeah that was one of the hardest parts because I remember too one day at work like (laughs) uh, I remember calling you or I actually had a really bad panic attack and I couldn't call you and it was like a coworker, or my boss or somebody they were like, you know, what's your, get into your phone, like, we can call your mom, oh, and, yeah. and you also work in the medical yes. field, and, and you were with patients, and so <laughs> you were like, I can't come get her, and I was just like, oh my <laughs> god, like, what am I supposed to do? But that, that was like a good thing for me, because it yeah. was like, no, Shannon, you don't actually need your mom. Like, and I'm sure for you that that was hard on the flip <laughs> oh, so side, right? Oh, so difficult. Yeah, because you. So difficult. I'm sure you wanted to like fix it and be yep. there for me and help me and like. Yes. But I always used you as sort of that crutch of like. Yeah. I need yeah. you. I I can't do this on my own. Yeah. But the realization was, you know, I I always could. I always did. Yes. It didn't feel comfortable or good (laughs) yeah I remember them telling me like your mom's not coming (laughs) I was just like oh my god my mom doesn't love me (laughs) so far from the truth right yeah my mom would do anything Anything. for me but yeah it was it was good because I think that moment was like a good helpful realization for me to be like you can't do this every time right yeah and you know you can work through it on your own but yeah. You know, also, like I said, you don't have to fight it. And, like, maybe if you stop trying to control everything. And exactly. Stop, but that is so hard because, like you yeah. said, it is so scary. You don't want it to happen. You'll, like, do anything to make it not happen. happen. But then, yeah. like, all the stuff that you're doing to make it not happen is it's making adding it to happen. It. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's contributing to the fact of your being so anxious. and But it really is hard to get into a mindset of convincing yourself you're okay. It's a really difficult thing to do. Um, But at the end of the day, I think it's always important to remember, no matter how bad the panic is, the anxiety is, the agoraphobia, all of that, no matter how bad it is, you're still here. Yeah. You're still here. 
Yeah. You know, and um, I think it is important to be able to have someone. I think it was really important for you to be able to call me, mm-hmm. reach out to me. You know, we would talk on the phone and cry and <laughs> and all those things. And that's really important, too. You need to have a a good person or persons in your life that you can really reach out to and be real with. And I think a big part of it is being real with yourself. Yeah. And then you can be real with those that are trying to help. But you need to be real with yourself and and really understand. And, and sometimes it's, it is in ways, sometimes we may need to change our environment. Or we, mm-hmm. you know, we may need to change something in our life. And I think it's taking that deeper look really within and sometimes we need to work through those different things yeah you know just like for you you had to work through you went to therapy you worked through what you went through in childhood and I think an important thing to say too is you can't beat yourself up for what you've been through in your life and you don't need to make excuses for it and I think um a really important line that you said to me one time, and I can't say it exactly how you said it because <laughs> it'd be an extremely bad word. Oh, but we were <laughs> we were talking one time, and I remember, you know, I knew life was hard growing up. I mean, I lived it too. Mm-hmm. It was extremely difficult, painful. Um, you know, but I remember you're saying to me, Mom, you know, our lives or my life was so effed up, but it was my normal. Yeah. Ooh. You know, how sad is that? How sad is that to, to say that? But at the same time, it took courage to be able to realize that. To be able to be real and say that out loud was like a good thing for you. You know, at the same time, it was so painful to hear. But I think, you know, many times, so many of us, we struggle with so much and it just becomes our normal. Yeah. Which is, Mm -hmm. there's a sadness to that, you know. And I think if you're normal is something that's making you feel deeply sad, um, you know, down, all these things. There's things that we go through in life that there are some things we can change. And I think that's yeah. important to realize too. Yeah. You know, we cannot control everything. We'd like to. That's not doable. And at the same time, it's okay to say no. Yeah. It's okay to walk away. It's okay to, you know, leave what whatever it might be that's contributing in a negative way. And I'm not saying, well, you don't just give up on life. You know, I'm going to quit my job because I have anxiety and I don't want to go. That's not what I'm saying. But if you have triggers in your life that are unhealthy, you need to gain the courage to walk away. Yeah. And make changes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because those things contribute to our health and our well-being. Yeah. And the things that you can control, work on them. Yeah. You know, and it can come in really small changes in your life, little things at a time. You know, but I feel like my part of anxiety and, you know, all of these things, the panic that we've both been through and seeing you it's letting people know that it really can be so awful and ugly and painful and there's nothing wrong with letting someone know how bad it's been for you i mean to vent to vent and to be able to release that from yourself is so important and if you can't talk to someone like they always say write it down do something get it out Because it's going to be part of that release for you. And we try to be so strong. And like you said, you try to hide a lot. And I think as humans, that's what we're like, though. We don't, you know, 
the last thing you want when you're having a panic attack is for anyone to know you're having a panic attack. <laughs> you want to run, you want to hide, you know, the go-to was always, I need to be home. And it was the yeah. same for me. I just want to be home. I need to get home. Um, but yeah, the things that we can't control sometimes, a lot of those things come from things that maybe we need to let go of or yeah. have the courage to just reach out to someone and say, hey, this is how I feel. This is how I really feel. Yeah. And I think that's uh, really important. But I mean, truly to see where you're at today, mm. you know, as a mom, and gives me just this pure joy in my life, in my heart, because when you love your child, you struggle with your child when they're struggling. Oh, yeah. And you feel the pain as a mom. And the greatest part for me is you didn't just come through it. It took a lot of hard work. It took a lot of talking and putting things out there and making changes in your life. You know, and I'm not just saying this because I'm your mom, but the best part is, is you're giving back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I... I That's what it's all about. You're yeah. giving back. And you want people to understand that you know how they feel. And you can be an encouragement that, man, you can get here. It will happen. Yeah. It will. I know. I remember saying to you, like, if I, when, you know, I think I, I would always say, if I get through this, and you'd be like, nope, when you get, get through, through this, this. <laughs> yeah. you know, you're, you know, I always said I want to help as many people as I can. Yeah. Because I never want anyone to struggle like this you know oftentimes like what you were saying is and it's really important is it might take a lot of courage of making really hard choices yes and making really hard changes Changes. and making scary changes but you know that's something that I avoided for a long time was not recognizing that I had a choice in a lot of things and I wasn't being courageous. I wasn't being vulnerable. You know, a lot of the things that fight fear are courage and vulnerability. And I wasn't doing those things because those things to me at the time felt more scary than what I was actually struggling with. But, you know, they weren't in hindsight. (laughs) (laughs) I would have done things much differently. But, you know, being where I am now... Yeah, I I just want, you know, I it's like the Instagram world, right? Like you show people <laughs> people see the stuff that I do now and I love putting that out there cuz I want yeah. to give people hope. But I also want you to really see and know like the depths of where Absolutely. I came from because I can't show that. Yeah. And and you know, I wish I could show that. Yeah. <laughs> To an extent, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you know, but you see now, like mm-hmm. you know, the Shannon that has a daughter and that travels and Absolutely. hikes and bikes and does all these cool things, but like mm-hmm. it took a lot of courage, courage, it took a lot of making hard decisions, yes. making hard changes, and yeah, like you know, and making you, yourself do it, right, <laughs> right, even when at the same time you're trying to talk yourself out of it. Right. I'm going to go hike today. Oh, I don't know if I should really go hike today. Yep. What if I don't feel good when I hike today? But still making <laughs> yourself go when you get there. Yep. And even though the whole drive might be, oh, God, I hope I don't get a panic attack on this mountain and I'm so far from home. Or just in the car. Or in the car. <laughs> <laughs> on the way. Right. Um, but I think, too, I just want to interject because I'm sure we might be getting close to the end of, of what we're doing. But I want to say... That it doesn't matter if you're day one into a panic attack, if you're 10 years in, if you're 20 years in, there's hope, you know. And to make the difficult and hard changes sometimes to work towards that, it's never too late. And it took myself, I didn't have panic and anxiety the whole time, but it took me 17 years to make a change in my life. And at 17 years, I had a light bulb moment one day and said, I've got to get out. Yeah. You know, I have to make a change. Yeah. And that's what I want people to understand. No matter how far into this struggle you're in with the anxiety, with the panic, with the agoraphobia, you need to understand 
there's not a timeline. You're not, it's not too late to get help. It's not too late to heal. It's not too late to, to really come out on the other side of it and be able to at one point look back and be like, oh my God, like I've made it. So I wouldn't want anyone to think that, you know, I never want to, would want anyone to have a mindset of it's been so long. It's never going to change. I've had this so long. How could it ever change? Yeah. It's never going to. It's been 10 years. It's been 12 years. But I think the more you can say to yourself every day that you're open to change, and it might sound silly, but even when you're feeling horrible, if you can get up every day and just start saying, I'm grateful for a change, I'm grateful for change for the better, and, and it's not just words, it's that, that's encouragement just for yourself, you know, to be able to get up on any given day and just be like, I'm grateful for change, you know, I'm ready for this. Yeah, that I have the opportunity I have an opportunity for change, yeah. you know, I'm still here, you know, and just put yourself out, we put ourselves out there so many times on the negative and the bad and what's going on, but... It can truly be encouraging just for yourself to hear it out of your own mouth. Yeah, and what you're saying is it's so important, right? You've got to change your self-talk. Yeah. Because I think for years, yeah. that's where I really lacked. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I beat myself up. I, I wasn't supportive to myself. No. And I was always looking outward for everything when I should have been looking within myself a lot more. But yeah, I think you hit on, you know, something really, really good is that we always have a choice yeah. and even though it can be really hard and yep. seem like you don't and feel incredibly impossible, yeah. you always have a choice. Yeah. So, all right, mom, everyone wants to know, right, if, <laughs> if, what is a piece of advice, you know, either, I think let's go with, because you've given some advice for, yeah. you know, what, what you would do if somebody's struggling right now, but what is some advice for, you know, another mom, another parent who's out there that's supporting a child oh, yeah. that's struggling there? You know, I know how hard this is. I think back to, to when I was struggling and some of the stuff that you, all yeah. the stuff that you had to witness me going through and I'm like, oh my gosh, if, if I had to witness Amelia going through that, yeah, how hard it would be. So yeah, what's a piece of advice you have for a parent out there who's supporting somebody that's struggling? Well, I think, of course, the most important thing is to not give up yeah. on that child. Um, never do that. And I know at times they'll lash out. You're trying to help. You're trying to be positive. And you can get the anger in return. And sometimes you can even get some resentment because I know... You know, in their mind, they're saying and they're feeling, but you don't know how I feel. You know, you can tell me to be happy. You can tell me to <laughs> not feel this way, but you don't know how I feel. And it is true. That part is true. You you may not have any understanding of how your child is feeling, but at the end of the day, never give up. Always be supportive. And I think it's always that being there. You know, and I always made sure to tell you, I told you so many times growing up, I don't care where I am. I don't care what I'm doing. Call me. Yeah. I'm always a phone call away. I, I'm always going to be here. Yeah. Always. And I think that's a reassurance that we can give our child who's struggling and suffering is the fact of, I love you. I'm here. You know, you might not want to hear it right now. You might not want to accept it right now. But I still want you to know I'm here and I'm not going to give up and I'm not just going to walk away from this and be, it'll be easier if I don't have to deal with you. Right. You know, sometimes as a parent, they might, you know, you might feel like, oh, if I just didn't have to deal with this, I don't want to hear this. I don't, you know, but no, we need to always, always have an open ear, be there, don't give up. Because if it were us, what would we want? Right. In return. And like you say, if you saw Amelia go through it, Ugh. knowing how it feels right so I think that is the biggest part is you know it sounds so cliche or so easy like oh don't you know just don't give up but it's true and it's a big thing not to give up on your child and 
to be there no matter what, even when you get, like I said, you get that kickback of, you know, yeah. you can be yelled at, you know, they can tell you they hate you. <laughs> this is not real life examples, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't know. I did hear and I hate you one time. Okay, I know. I was being sarcastic. I, I knew you were. <laughs> You know, and that was such a kick in the gut as a parent. I thought, my child would never (laughs) say that to me. How could that ever happen? And, you know, at the same time, though, I mean, I I love you. I I think, yes, don't give up. But I think the bigger thing is, is the biggest thing is, is to be able to love unconditionally is a pretty deep thing to do. And I feel like hopefully as a parent, if anything, no matter what I've been through in my life, I would always want to feel as though for you and your brother, my grandkids, I'll always love unconditionally. Yeah, a thousand percent. And yeah. I think, you know, if if people asked me <laughs> um, what's the most helpful thing that your mom did, she was always there. Yeah. She didn't give up. And yeah. as much as it was annoying at times <laughs> and I didn't believe her, you know, yeah. she always kept encouraging and just was there to listen and support me and, you know, didn't, you know, she knew, I think from going through it, you know, I can't fix this, but it's not about fixing. It's not about, you know, you wish you could, but it's not about fixing or problem solving for your child or your best friend or your partner, whoever. It's just about being there and listening and just knowing that, you know, they have your love and and you're not going anywhere yeah and that's the most important thing I think oh all right well (laughs) we'll definitely have a round two mom but I really appreciate you coming on I know that this is going to be helpful for so many people so thank you I hope so that'll make me feel great to know that and I believe it too there's some there's someone out there that's going to hear this and get that feeling of I've got this yeah I've got it a thousand percent and you do You do. (laughs) All right. Until next time, everyone, keep taking healthy action. And before I end this episode, I want to mention that I'd really appreciate it if you shared this episode or any others with somebody who you feel could benefit from what I share here. You sharing these episodes is what helps me to reach and support others who need it. And if you have an extra minute in your day today, I'd also really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. I read every single review and this too is what helps me to help more people to heal and overcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Healthy Push. If you want more, head on over to ahealthypush.com for the show notes and lots more tips, tools, and inspiration that will support your recovery. And if you're hoping for me to cover a certain topic, be sure to join my Instagram community at a healthy push and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next.